Hello and welcome to this episode of the Venus and Besta Evolutionary Astrology Podcast. This episode is about the first two weeks of December. But I wanted to make a point first because, of course, we have been moving through Sun conjunct Mars in Scorpio. Um, and that has been absolutely really powerful for some. And obviously it's been opposite Uranus in Taurus. And I think a lot of us have been digging deep and things have been coming to the surface. And coming to the surface, because first of all, Mercury is in Sagittarius and Mercury, of course, just cannot but blurt things out. And also because opposite Uranus, opposite the Sun and Mars together in Scorpio, Uranus in Taurus, you know, representing the planet Earth is really kind of going, wow, crazy. Let's bring it up. Let's cause some chaos. So really big things afoot and revelations coming about. And I kind of wanted to mention a couple of those things. I mean, there's quite a few that's come up. But one of the things that I was looking at the astrology of, of was in the UK, David Cameron, who is our ex-Prime Minister, coming back into the UK Parliament. Now, he hasn't been elected. He's actually retired. He's retired from politics. And now they've just brought him back. I mean, you, you just can't do that. How does that work? They've just like slot him in. They've got rid of Suella Braverman, who actually was just telling the truth and then has actually called our prime minister out on a number of things. Good for her. But, you know, you have to have a constituency. You have to be able, be elected in a constituency to then be able to go to parliament. And David Cameron hasn't even tried to get a constituency. He's absolutely retired. How how can that be? You can just swiftly slot him back in. And on top of that, he's been put in place by an unelected prime minister, Rishi Sunak. He wasn't elected either. Um, but uh, according to my very kind of up on politics friend, she thinks that there's something afoot that actually they don't think Rishi Sunak will be able to win the parliament. He's not you know, he's not the people's vote, but David Cameron will. So they're doing this kind of jigging around of the seats and allowing or forcing David Cameron to come back so that they can then when when we call an election and it has to happen, I think by is it May or, or January 2025? We have to have a new election by then um, that David Cameron will be in good enough position to be able to win it again. She thinks that is the plan. But I think moves like Rishi Sunak and Suella Breverman are not what's going to win it. But anyway, the point on the astrology I wanted to make are the sort of tricky little manoeuvres, the underhand. You suddenly, this has happened. And we're going, how did that happen? That must be some ancient laws being used to bring someone back like that. It's practically unheard of. It is quite scorpionic because then you realise they can do what the hell they want, really. And and there's no kind of hiding it. Oh, look at this old law. We can just bring David Cameron back just like that. Um, and also, you know, he doesn't have a seat in Parliament. So generally, if he wanted to come back, they'd have to sort of have a by-election somewhere in one of the little constituencies. And then he'd have to be brought back. But But it hasn't happened this time. And this kind of behind-the-moves power shift is, firstly, they en ennobled 
David Cameron. So he is now Sir David Cameron. He's actually been knighted. And in that sense, he can now move in and operate within the House of Lords, which is the higher house. And so he's now a knight, a knight of the realm. And prime ministers generally, ex-prime ministers generally do get knighted. So that's not completely out of the ballpark. And that's kind of the um, higher higher echelons of of um, judgment and legal is actually you're going from the from the darker side of it to Scorpio to Sagittarius where it's the more exalted side of things they rule judges and that higher courts in Sagittarius but also there's a lot of Leo going on there as well and I think that pertains to uh, Sir David Cameron's actual birth chart but then I you know he comes into Parliament and the first speech that he makes, or does he come? I don't know how he makes that speech because he's not allowed to be in Parliament unless invited, I guess. But uh, in the House of Lords, well, his first speech, he actually name checks his mate, Bill Gates or the Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates organisation. I mean, hello? What? What? And then you suddenly realise, you know, that's what's behind all of this shifting around. It's actually some, you know, an American organization. And that organization piles tons of money into our mainstream media. You can go and check this out. Tons of money. They basically own our media. And we know if you've watched any of the, um, what was that TV series on Netflix about how actually the media run our elections as well. So this is the Bill and Gates um Foundation, Belinda, Bill, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates uh, organization, foundation. It's an, an, another unelected, uh, sorry, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is just another unelected body. It's like they're showing us that, you know, they can, they can move anyone anywhere who's anyone has got some money. And Bill Gates is a friend of Jeffrey Epstein. He's a friend of Jeffrey Epstein child trafficker to the elite and he's uh, who have never been um, mentioned or arrested either and so it is high up stuff so bill gates you know he's so friendly with jeffrey epstein that that his wife actually divorced him or one of the reasons she divorced him and she said this very plainly you can check this out as well that uh, she didn't like that he was friends with jeffrey epstein and that's one of the reasons why they got divorced. I mean, that is incredible. And there comes Sir David, newly ennobled Sir David Cameron comes into the House of Lords and then name checks a completely unelected body. This is kind of cronyism and, you know, replacing someone in a position in a very, very obvious way. And therefore, you know, this is the way that, you know, the Scorpio power can shift around. And and Sir David Cameron, as he is now known, has Mercury and Neptune in Scorpio. But I think this must have been planned back in August. As remember the Venus retrograde in August, um, it started and it finished. Well, it started on David Cameron's uh um, 
moon in Leo, which is right next to his Jupiter in Leo, and um, went all the way up. Also, no, start the other way around. It started at his 27 degrees Mars in Leo and reverted back to his moon. Uh, which is then conjunct his Jupiter. So he's got a lot of planets in Leo. I don't really get him as a Leo, but obviously I don't know him. And there must be some sort of other power and charm there to to make this happen. But that's definitely when this has been started. This doesn't didn't just happen yesterday. This, you know, in the last week, this was happening back then for sure when Venus was retrograding through Sir David Cameron's Leo house with his plant key planets there. And then also um, Sir David Cameron's, his ascendant and his Venus and his son are all in Libra. So very Libran. And obviously we've just had the Libra eclipse and we've also got the south node in Libra. And so that's bringing up the past and bringing his past back to life, which is his prime ministerial role. So that is coming definitely back to life. There is a plan afoot, I am sure. And it's been exposed with the darker kind of manipulations, shall we, going on and the power shifts within Scorpio. And personally, we've all used it to sort of eke things out, but actually look at our government. And I just wanted to make that point there. But let's get back to where we are now, because on the first day of December, Mercury is going to move into Capricorn. Mercury is already in the shadow zone of its upcoming retrograde because this retrograde starts in at at eight degrees Capricorn and moves back to 22 degrees Sagittarius. And although Mercury isn't going to go anywhere near Pluto, Pluto is, of course, long term in Capricorn and it's at the other end, the, the going out the back door and adding so much power to Capricorn. So literally so much power that it's getting bigger and bigger and more cumbersome and more toxic in this corporate, uh, political, um, commercial, global sector. It's literally blown up with Pluto there. So we can see it, it eating itself. And so Mercury coming in on the other side is kind of adding all the detail and making all the connections and going and allowing us to see things, allowing us to become aware and learn about all these ghastly little deals and connections. And that's going to be happening on the 1st of December. And of course, clever old Mercury, you know, planet of communication, planet of connections and how our brain works, you know, in Capricorn can really make the numbers work, really can cook the books and can deliver some serious strategizing and brilliant structures to hold all our creativity and make things get developed. And then we can go and see all the machinations on display. We can actually literally, it's like taking the face, the back off an old fashioned watch and seeing all the cogs going round inside. That's what Mercury is enabling us to see. And of course, that's where we also see, you know, a display of authority and statementship. And that's kind of what's going to happen with Sir David Cameron and Bill Gates's cause of actually seeing them operate. And also remember, Saturn, our karmic time lord, is in early Pisces still. So any planet entering one of the signs is going to make an aspect to, you know, right at the beginning of Saturn. 
And on the 2nd of December, Saturn has now moved to to two degrees. And so there, um, Mercury is moving so fast, it's going to make a sextile because Mercury will enter Capricorn and then shift to two degrees quite quickly and make a sextile. And sextiles are really kind of quite fruity and creative. So the pair of them together, you know, like Saturn's seriousness and almost kind of oppressive, but it, it does allow things to happen in a really the correct way. So if you're going to have any discussions or brainstorms or you need any help and you need to work things out, the the sort of first couple of days of December are really going to be uh, the time to express that and get your brain thinking and get your colleagues or get some help in to make things happen because they really can work then despite what's going on uh, in the government. <laughs> and then moving on to the 4th of December, lovely Venus all magnetic, has been in her own sign of Libra, but like really cooking up a little bit of drama and, um, you know, relationships from the past because the South Node is there and the eclipse was there. And now she's powered up from being in her own sign and she makes an ingress into Scorpio. Scorpio, where all the other planets have moved out. So she's the only one left. She travels alone in this underworld place of Scorpio. And this is completely different to Mars and the Sun who are digging and digging and adding power. Here, Venus is more adding value and bringing a much better sense of these underhand manoeuvres that have been happening. A much better sort of caring idea and sweetness even to some of the shadow work, some of the subconscious work that's been happening. Um, There's like a soothing sprinkle of magic to make these ghouls, to make the dark corners, not make them go away, but to ease us into understanding them and make them seem more palatable, which, you know, sounds quite good, really. But okay, also the things like, you know, Sir David Cameron has entered politics out of, um, come out of retirement and mentioned an unelected unaccountable, unethical and really untouchable ally immediately who isn't even 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 British, who's from another organisation from across the world. And it's almost like Venus here is like can can make those shadows seem really appealing. Venus has that magnetic power to lure the wolf to the high table. She's there in, in a kind of exotic sense. And of course, then we have to watch as Venus will then oppose Jupiter. She opposes opposes Jupiter in Taurus, bang opposite, on the 9th of December. And on that day, she's actually joined by the moon. So the moon and Venus together are opposing Jupiter. And this mystical, alluring pair, because the moon just adds so much mysticism, some much more memory and much more esoteric or emotional ideas to Venus, who's already quite emotional anyway. And, you know, can turn any of these devices that are happening, any witchery actions uh, of the day, you know, can turn them around and really kind of bring them about. And despite or maybe in spite of what Jupiter sitting in Mother Earth territory of Taurus, you know, that the wealth and the health may desire. So it's like, hold on, you know, we've got to consider all these things before we get too powerful. And, you know, Venus in Scorpio is probably is keeping us 
personally mindful of our own power, you know, our own power to allure or to draw or manipulate and love those dark places in ourselves and not ignore them because to ignore them allows the power to be used elsewhere. And remember as well that Venus in Scorpio is the dark feminine and Venus in Scorpio surely represents in one way, you know, this darkness that we is appealing to us that isn't all bad. It is our, it may be our deepest uh, sexual shame, potentially, but also our deepest desires. And, you know, the, the dark feminine, although might sound a bit scary, the dark feminine is in service to the light, not in a way that the dark masculine isn't. The dark masculine is out there causing wars and fighting and being absolutely, you know, quite um, dynamic and maybe even violent and aggressive. Whereas the dark feminine is much more slower and, yeah, is is pulling on the uh, magnetism and the allure. She is in service to the light. And even you see that in the Egyptian mythology when Isis, Queen Isis, who um, was working, was helped by her sister, Nephis. And Nephis is the dark feminine. And she helped her, her sister, you know, come about and remember her husband. So there are aspects you see of the dark feminine always working in support anyway, even if it isn't entirely obvious. So that's, that's Venus moving into Scorpio and then opposing Jupiter at the early degrees of Taurus. And that's between the fourth when she moves in and the ninth when she opposes Jupiter. But right in between then, on the 6th of December, we have Neptune, planet Neptune, the magical, mystical, spiritual planet turning direct. Neptune here is the planet of our delusions and the deep fathoms. And it's most certainly the planet that allows you to lose yourself. So whether it's going backwards or forwards, it's kind of like quite discombobulating. So whether it's moving forward, you know, in and giving you the flow is you're in a current of its moves, which you're hardly aware of. You know, and in the good way, you you know, in a bad way, you lose yourself. You don't understand what's really happening. But in a good way, it takes you to the ecstasy in an otherworldly way. So you're either lost here in a spiritual ecstasy or in a addiction or some sort of way that you it's so imperceptible initially until you're in the middle of the current. You can't help yourself and you don't realize until it's too late. And we know that Neptune, and I've mentioned it several times, has been at the head of a kite formation on and off since August, right through to mid-November. So it, that essentially means that all the other planets in that kite have been supporting and, and enabling, even thrusting Neptune to move us all forward. We're moving at the head of the kite. That's where we move towards and with Neptune there, we're moving towards all of Neptune's ideas, concepts, themes. And of course, this isn't just Neptune in a sign. This is Neptune in 
its rulership of Pisces, the soft and yielding, romantic and creative Pisces, no less. And they're both really very watery. Neptune is, of course, King Neptune of the sea, the vast sea, the water world, the energetic water world, not just the physical water. So the emotional world and and the connection, the connections that we can feel between each other, the knowing, the psychic sense that we have of other things, you know, our perception beyond the senses. And Neptune has been in Pisces since 2011 when it first entered, but went backwards and forwards. And so 2012 across that year span and is going to stay in Pisces for another two or three years. Here, Pisces in Neptune, uh, sorry, Neptune in Pisces is taking us deeper into what I guess scientists really believe is the holographic reality. That's kind of like the matrix. And it's like, what is what does it mean? A holographic universe uses information that makes up we what we perceive as our 3D reality where we're living now, which is stored in a 2D surface. And what that information also includes time, which blows my mind. The time stuff always blows my mind. And I did mention in last week's episode, you know, going into the idea that our subconscious is actually stored in the second dimension in 2D, as well as also in the lower fourth. So it's kind of this idea that this holographic reality that scientists have confirmed, you know, that we are living in a matrix of our own creation and of our creation that is stored in the subconscious. And here with Neptune in Pisces, it's almost like they're forcing us to become more and more aware of this matrix, more and more aware of the program and and the ideas beyond our senses to more understand how this universe is operating. So Neptune in Pisces is ready to show us all these things and draw us deeper in so that we hardly know that we are being shown it that we are shown this is the matrix and Neptune does rule the glamour. So yes, the film, the matrix was showing us too. And I have to say also that when I went for my own jungle medicina experience, I could see the plant matrix of life. It's like the living entity of plant life as a matrix that we were sitting within, which is quite hard to explain. But it, it reminded me also of that neuroscientist who's written a book about the brain who had a stroke. And she said she was sitting, she had a stroke in her bathroom and she was sitting crushed up against the wall, not being able to move. And one side of her brain was just showing her the most amazing kind of matrix of life. And that she saw that she was completely connected to the bathroom wall and all things around her. And and this was just because of the right side of her brain, the kind of logical brain that enables us to operate in this world had shut down and it was just the left brain operating. And I kind of feel that that's what we're, you know, connecting with or opening, opening up to where we can see how we are all connected and we are not separate. And this is where Neptune, especially with the planets helping us, is opening our consciousness 
uh, and therefore, because our consciousness is part of the dimensional reality, it's merging our dimensional reality. So emerging dimensions. And I did mention this before about how we have to clear the second um, second dimension of this subconscious kind of shadow, the stuff that we're not aware of. We have to clear it out in so that it doesn't become more powerful and more powerful in a sh in its shadow form and that was when i was talking about the spiders <laughs> the spider realm so that's in the previous episode so if you believe that um or if you are aligned with the idea that we have a planetary ascension going on Apparently, it started when we had harmonic conversion in 2012. And also, I say planet and I mean Mother Earth and ourselves as all one thing, the planet and the humans. We all ascend into new realities together. We don't ascend somewhere else. This is planet Earth coming with us and that we are moving into the fourth dimension or into a higher vibrational field. Um. And this, I feel, is where Neptune is going to bring its gifts. Neptune is allowing this dissolving of barriers and merging of different types of consciousness to open up for us. And Dolores Cannon, who I, I just see clips of her on Facebook, Dolores Cannon says it's happening now and that we are coming into a new earth. And that the most amazing things um, are going to evolve where, you know, that all the karma is just falls away. But she says it is a choice. Do we want to stay here in the sort of comfort zone of being looked after by an oppressive government, you know, living this life with someone like Bill Gates as your ruler um, and where you are still on the karmic wheel of life going through? <laughs> or do you want to? Do the shift upwards, work on your own body's vibration and, and ascend and move with the planet. And perhaps there is this split idea. Some of us are feeling that perhaps we're in different dimensional realities already, yet we are living side by side. And of course, there's that 144,000 people required to reach, which it says in the Bible, to reach that certain level of vibration and to help many to get them to get, you know, to help the others. We all go through together and we all lose that tie to the karmic wheel of life together. We become free of karma. And apparently that 144,000 has already been achieved. And now I think Neptune moving direct on the 6th of December. I think this is a shift that we will feel. As I've mentioned, I don't think it matters whether it's going backwards and forwards. But the fact that when it turns, it's like, whoa, we're going to feel something move. Something is going to change in our consciousness. There's a spiritual essence being allowed to operate. And this could change our consciousness and our worldview quite significantly. And of course, all the planets, it is important that the, the day they actually change directions are more significant and more kind of you feeling something different. There's things do go wrong or things happen where you go, wow, I was, really wasn't expecting that. Um, and Neptune here moving backwards and forwards or, or backwards, the big difference, you know, which which way is up anyway. So on the day, though, definitely Neptune's shift where something is going to 
enabling us to move forward. It's going to be very discombobulating. It's like being at sea and suddenly taking a different current elsewhere. And you're like, how did that happen? You can feel the current moving and you can feel the energy around you change, but you're not really sure what that means. But I think what is more important about Neptune changing direction and any planet really is the idea that what degrees do they cover? And Neptune's here at 24 degrees and move back from 27 degrees. So these are the degrees it travels through. And then you can might look at how these might aspect in your chart. So especially now with Neptune changing direction, going direct at 24 degrees Pisces. So check what planets you have around 21 degrees to like three degrees each side, 21 to 27. Um, obviously, a an aspect will be made with a 10 degree orb. But I think it should, you know, for this, you know, if it's going to be really affecting you see the three degree orb and the aspects of a square sextile trine or opposition or conjunction even i've got i've got the conjunction going on uh with chiron but let's see that's the 6th of december uh and kind of unknowable sense of difference to emerge and a sense of our consciousness having changed, understood something of a higher level. And it's like that when your consciousness changes, when you've understood free energy, you've understood that there is free energy and they've just been charging us for it the whole time. Um, or you've just understood that there are off planet beings um, who are not from planet Earth or that everyone on planet Earth has been seeded by someone beyond this planet. Those kind of shifts in reality. And also the next day, on the 7th of December, there are two trines, specific trines that are happening. And a trine is obviously kind of good flow of energy. So they're going to make this shift for Neptune changing direction a lot more powerful, a lot more easier and like ease us into this. You know, we might not even be aware of it. But it's definitely a change in the air and we might not have understood it. The first one of those trines is the sun who is in Sagittarius, making a trine, an exact trine to Chiron, who are both in air signs, Chiron's in Aries. So they're a big fire sign. So we may feel the passion and the inspiration about what we're doing. And we may be triggered maybe to explore, um, you know, what's going on in our own emotional landscape and what's happening to us personally connected to everyone else. Because Chiron here is the trigger of our personal sense of wounding, our sense of what really is deep within us and held in a sensitive place because it's in areas of the self. And then the second trine that's happening on the 7th, the day after Neptune turns direct, is Mercury who is now obviously in Capricorn, as we mentioned on the first day of December, Mercury in Capricorn is making a trine to Jupiter in Taurus, both at six degrees, and they're both in Earth signs. So this is a nice trine of Earth moving. So this is also helping us, Mercury helping us understand how we might move, uh, what connections we need to make, and the reasoning behind some of the developments that are happening. So there's a shift here and maybe there's the possibility as well to create something meaningful for ourselves and make some money. The wealth idea might come up. 
you know, what are we going to do with this money? How can we operate here? What does, you know, how can we get this funded? It's like, this is like the ka-ching with Mercury and Jupiter together in these earth signs, bringing in the bounty, really. So I think that's quite good and quite exciting for around the 6th and then these trines on the 7th of December. And moving on, let's talk about the new moon in Sagittarius on the 12th of December. And that's at 20 degrees Sagittarius. And this new moon is also conjunct Mars, just like the new moon in Scorpio was actually tightly conjunct Mars. But this is a completely different flavour. You know, with Mars in Scorpio, the new moon was almost like bringing the knife, digging really deep into old wounds, really kind of carving something out of the subconscious that really needs to bring forward that previously wasn't obvious. But here, this new moon, I mean, it's so much more enthusiastic. And instead of the knife cutting in as it was in Scorpio, Mars, you can act it like the the sword thrusting ahead the sword held up in challenge to drive whatever project, ideas or drive the fun even. You know, we're all coming forward, moving into the stratosphere with this sword ahead of us, which is now conjunct this new moon. It's not as tightly conjunct, but still, it's still there giving the new moon energy. And I mean, nobody needs more energy than a Sagittarius. It's already hugely enthusiastic. So the sword here, the Mars, is just like giving it a turbocharge booster to go for whatever your heart's desire. And remember, talking of heart's desire, the Sagittarian arrow is always pointed upwards, up to your dreams, to your ideals, your highest ideals, to be the best version of yourself. And this is so the Mars here in the new moon is like, come on, we've got ants in our pants. We want to go and have some fun and get it done. You know, don't take it all too seriously. Just come on as long as you're doing the right thing in the highest sense of the world, you know, in your in the highest good for yourself. And also here with Sagittarius, I've mentioned Sagittarius connection to the legal realm as well and the judgment, the higher judgment. So if you are having legal troubles, um, these kind of get a rubber stamp or these are going to be shifted forward. You know, Mars here can send this, your products in a completely different direction than you expected. Not, not, you know, it's not like a turnaround chaotic send off, although, you know, it's like Mars can say no and put an end to things. And this is a better way. So there's a lot of energy here to explore and upgrade the vision of, of possibilities to happen, to, you know, that can happen in the next two years even because of Mars's two year cycle around back to where it is now. And the, the new moon here on the 12th of December at 20 degrees Sagittarius has a few aspects. Not They're not exact. The first, obviously, is the conjunction to Mars. Mars is at 13 degrees, so it's a wide conjunction of seven degrees. Not like the conjunction where it was right together, it was a degree apart from the Scorpio one, which is why it allowed that such digging deep, right to the point. Also, 
one of the aspects is uh, to the new moon is the square to Neptune. And Neptune obviously is now direct at 24 degrees. So that's a big opening. That's a big kind of shift and awareness, maybe understanding or push into the delusion even further. And then and then it makes a trine to Chiron, um, obviously both in fire signs. Chiron's at 15 degrees, so it's five degrees out, 15 degrees Aries. And so that ensures that you might feel this quite keenly within. You might feel sensitive towards it. And then also this new moon, 20 degrees, is making a trine to the north node, the destiny point, which is at 23 degrees. So this is three degrees out. So whatever this new moon is doing, it's kind of got the thrust into the future that we probably need. So, yeah, let, let's get behind this new moon and use it for our benefit, for things that we want to happen and the definite upgrade of ideals and um, challenges, really. Less than 24 hours later than this new moon, we've got Mercury going retrograde at eight degrees Capricorn. So this is like the next day. This is the 13th of December. Now, we've, it's like we've had this dynamic thrust forward of the Sagittarian new moon. And then suddenly we've got a, like a handbrake turn of the kerfuffle that generally is the day that Mercury turns retrograde. And this is like the upset um, of the planet of communication of that. What? Hold on. Hold on. Let me stop a minute. And, you know, suddenly our thinking brain, we go left brain, right brain, we've changed direction, we've changed our mind. And suddenly there's a, a switch going on when we thought we were going full speed ahead with this saggy new moon. A bit like saying, you know, as soon as we say yes, suddenly it's like, oh, no. Or if we said no, it's a yes. And whoever's got the yes is going to be a no for something else. But then maybe just Mercury then says, well, here are some interesting facts. You know, I didn't want to cloud your judgment with this before that you've made a decision, but now you have. Wham, here you are. And you kind of I wish I knew that. But the ink is still wet on your contract or on where you thought you're going. And something has come in to alert you to something beyond currently what's happening. Anyway, this could be quite good. This could be like you've said yes and suddenly, whoa, things start to fall into place. And, that, and that's to say, you know, Mercury retrograding through Capricorn. Well, I will save a lot of this for the next episode. Well, I want to go much deeper into this because this isn't the this is like the third, I think, Mercury retrograding Capricorn in the third year. So from Capricorn and then into the essence of Sagittarius to pick up some energy and the challenge of new uh, discoveries. So let's let's sort of go into that deeper in the next episode about Mercury's retrograde in Capricorn. But really, um, the new moon energy and this together, you know, if you can delay anything um, as much as you might plan it and get ready and get excited, wait for the next day for Mercury to turn retrograde. Um, or, well, I don't know, that's good advice, actually, because really use the new moon to go and don't make the decision in Mercury retrograde. So, yeah, you're either going to wait, I think, for a, a few days after Mercury has turned retrograde. So don't wait till the 16th, 17th or something or do it before, but not on the day of the Mercury retrograde, because sometimes I think a, a Mercury retrograde enables you to 
get to that decision. But um, don't stress about it too much, I would say. Anyway, this is the challenge of new discoveries coming up. And so I say to you, thank you for listening and Godspeed, my friends. Until next time. Oh,